This is the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast, and I am your host, Chris Schmedeke. Today, I am reacting to the Broncos' 31-28 win of the Chicago Bears with beat reporter Chris Thompson. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Denver Gazette Sports Podcast Broncos Reaction Edition. I am your host, Chris Schmedeke, and I am joined by Denver Gazette Broncos beat writer Chris Thompson. Chris, how's the Windy City treating you today? Oh, everything's just great. Uh, uncharacteristically warm this past weekend. Uh, I went to Northwestern University outside of Chicago. We would start in late September, and it was always already semi-frigid by then. So, uh, yeah, delightful weather at the game yesterday and continuing today. I was pretty shocked when I saw it was going to be seven. It was seventy-five at kickoff on the broadcast, or whatever it was. That's that's really warm for Chicago. Yeah, you know, uh, Chicago's known for Soldier Field, tricky winds and crummy field conditions, but none of that came into play yesterday. So we had a pretty exciting game yesterday. Uh, Broncos get their first win of the season, 31-28. to uh, It involved a 21-point comeback. It involved uh, Justin Fields having a career day, it, but him throwing an interception at the end of the game that sealed it. So, Chris, I want to ask you first um, – how much did this win mean to the Broncos? Could you feel that in the locker room and in their press conferences? Well, it meant a lot from the standpoint they just needed a win, any win, to maintain any remote hope. I mean, uh, 0-3 is a crazy long shot to make the playoffs. I think since 1990, um, only uh, four out of 158 teams that started 0-3 made it. Oh, and Four, you're virtually completely done. I think the Colts may be made it one year, 0-4. But, yeah, you're done. So it saved their season, but there's still a lot of questions, and I'm sure we'll talk about them, you know, namely on the defensive side of the ball. All right, well, let's start with the positive, though. So this comeback, um, they were down 28-7. Was it late in the third quarter it was 28-7? Yeah, very late. You know, they drove. They got a touchdown pass to Brandon Johnson in the final minute of the third quarter to cut it to 28 to 14. So they're very close to entering the fourth quarter down 21. So what kind of flipped because the bears were just moving the ball at will. And we will talk about the Broncos defense on the negative side as well, but what kind of change was it that strip sack that kind of got things going? Was it just a couple stops here and there? What kind of switch? Cause the offense, well, let's just start with the defense first. So, so what kind of flipped on that side of the ball? Well, they just came up with three huge plays late. Um, you know, number one was the strip sack and touchdown by Jonathan Cooper, 35 yards, with about uh, six minutes and change left. That tied the score 28. Then the Bears go down. They've got fourth and one at the Denver 18. And they go for it thinking, well, we're going to run the clock down and get a chippy field goal and they don't get a huge defensive stop and then that of course led to will lutz's field goal with a little bit less than two minutes left to make a 31 28 and then uh the bears you know still had a shot to get into field goal range and uh third and 13 at their own i believe 47 so you know it was still uh, a tough endeavor 33 seconds to go and justin fields finally uh, threw an interception and Kareem Jackson wrapped up the game there. But yeah, two turnover. I mean, 
Justin Fields was nearly flawless for most of the game, but then two turnovers he had late doomed him. So, you know, you, you've covered the NFL for a long time. I want to ask you about that that call by the Bears to go for it. Like, I understand the reasoning, but I think the play call was what kind of baffled me is why, why were they in shotgun? Like, Justin Fields is a pretty big guy. Could they not just QB sneak that ball and probably got the first down? Yeah, that that's a good point, you know, right there. Um, I think, yeah, if you question anything, maybe it is the play call. But I they figured they're 0-3. They've got nothing to lose. If we, we don't deserve to win, if we can't get a yard. And then, as it turned out, they didn't deserve to win. But they would have been able to run the clock down and uh, kick a, chi- a chippy field goal. But, uh, you know, if they do kick the field goal to – to go up by three, the Vikings, excuse me, the Broncos still needed to go down the field and, uh, you know, at least attempt to tie the game. So I want to say on the positive side and talk about the, the, the offensive positive side, which is, you know, Russell Wilson probably had one of his best games as a Bronco yesterday. Uh, he really kept the team in it. They kind of stayed, they stayed engaged, even though they were down 28, seven. So, so what did you see from Russ yesterday? Yeah, he managed the game well, didn't panic, avoided turnovers, and uh, that was kind of the key when they got up 28-7, to I mean, or or down 28-7. to We talked about the big defensive plays at the end, but also pivotal was the offense stayed the course. They had a couple nice touchdown drives, the TD pass to Brandon Johnson that we touched upon, and then one – earlier in the fourth quarter to Cortland Sutton. So they didn't panic. They worked their way down the field methodically. And, uh, you know, that got them back in the game and then allowed for the defensive plays to end up winning it. And during that particular time, I mean, they weren't the uh, big uh, splash plays, but the um, Broncos, you know, held the Bears down and allowed the offense to get Denver back in the game. So uh, Javante Williams gets hurt in this game. He only has two carries for no yards. Um, I don't know. We know how Sean Payton can be with injuries. So th- we're recording this before he talks today. So I don't know if you'll get an update on him. But Julio McLaughlin saw the field a lot. Uh, also, I don't know if you could shed some light on what's going on with Samaj P. Ryan. He doesn't seem to be on the field ever. Um, but uh, let's talk about McLaughlin first. You know, seven carries for 72 yards and had the receiving touchdown. This guy's got big play capabilities, and he obviously needs to be on the field. Yeah, Javante Williams went out, and that kind of opened the door for Jaleel McLaughlin. I mean, he still only got seven carries, seven for 72 yards, but that's more than he has been getting. And then he did catch three passes for 32 yards. He caught the early 18-yard touchdown pass when Javante was still in the game. So, uh yeah, I'm not sure what's going on with Javante, but, uh, you, you know, it's it's a hip injury, which seems to be the uh, injury of choice lately for the Broncos. And Justin Simmons had one and knocked him out for a couple games. Frank Clark has what they're calling a hip injury. It's actually a partially torn abductor, but the abductor is connected to the hip. So uh, it's that general region. So, yeah, it would seem to me that uh, might be t- – tough for Javante to uh, be back for Sunday's game against the Jets. And then they've got a short turnaround with the Chiefs the following Thursday. So uh, that will lead us into Samaje, right? right. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of wondering, like, why 
he doesn't. I mean, he was a pretty big free agent signing for them, and he just doesn't seem to see the field. And I guess when he, did, I mean, he had six carries for twelve yards, so he didn't do much. But I always thought he was a better receiving threat. I remember him kind of doing that with the Bengals, and they just don't seem to be using him. Well, the first game of the season, he was uh, used as much as he has this entire season, and he was the better back in that game between Javante and him. I mean, Javante was obviously making his first regular season appearance since his knee injury last October, but he hasn't got a lot of opportunities, but he also hasn't done much with his opportunities since then. And I imagine uh, it's got to be frustrating for him. I mean, he talked to me last spring for a story about how he basically left the Bengals because he was hardly getting any work and Joe Mixon was getting the great bulk of the work in Cincinnati, but he's getting less work now in Denver than he got in Cincinnati. So it's got to be frustrating for him, I would imagine. One more positive thing to talk about on the offensive end is uh, once again, when Marvin Mims gets the ball, he makes plays. He had that big catch that that set up the winning field goal. Um, but, you know, they're really spreading the ball around. I'm kind of looking at the receiving numbers. You know, Judy had three, Mims two, McLaughlin three, Sutton three. Um, you know, it seems like it's kind of an offense. And, and Brandon Johnson had the touchdown, of course. <laughs> Nate Atkins got in on, the, on it. Uh, Chris Manhurts had his first catch. Like, it really seems like this offense right now is – there's no real primary target. They just spread the ball all over the place. Yeah, that would be an accurate assessment. I mean, I think they're spreading the ball now among wide receivers to four guys. Little Jordan Humphrey isn't much uh, a part of the offense anymore. But it's kind of amazing that Marvin Mims still only got 17 snaps on Sunday. He obviously was in the game and made a, a pivotal offensive play. But uh, I'm still surprised that he is not getting more work but they are spreading the load among four receivers, Sutton, um, Judy, Johnson, and Mims. As for the tight ends, they've hardly been productive at all uh, in, in recent games uh, since the uh, Greg's injury to starter. And, um, at a, yeah, uh, uh, Troutman has not caught a single pass since week one when he was the leading receiver for Denver. And Nate Atkins has caught a few passes here. Chris Manhurts yesterday got his first pass of the season. But tight ends hardly have been utilized in the last few weeks. All right, so let's flip to kind of the negative side of this win. Um, the defense just gassed for most of the game, probably good three quarters. Um, made Justin Fields look amazing. Uh, DJ Moore was huge. They're, they couldn't stop the run either. The, the Bears had plenty of rushing yards. So – What's I guess is what's going on there. It just seems like no matter who – I mean, I understand the Dolphins' speed last week, but this was – I mean, the Bears' offense was nothing to write home about, and they just went off. Yeah, the Bears came in 29th in the NFL in total offense, and they just went up and down uh, the field. I mean, they look like the 1999 St. Louis Rams at times. I mean, it's a major concern, the defense. I mean, you know, they won – and they're happy, the Broncos, from that. But they know that it's a significant issue. I mean, it's been going on for um, – I mean, they the defense basically for a lengthy stretch was giving up a point a minute for over 100 minutes. I mean, 
They gave up 32 points in the final 32 minutes against Washington, 70 against Miami, and then uh, 28 in the first two and a half quarters against the Bears. So, yeah, it's a significant issue. I mean, the Jets come in. I mean, they were better on Sunday night, so it'll be interesting to see how Zach Wilson, if he uh, you know, starts looking more like Aaron Rodgers facing the, the Broncos. And then, of course, you got Kansas City on a short week after that. So, yeah, there's a big concern still on the defensive side of the ball. That, that, that sounds like a nightmare, Kansas. I mean, you know, that Jets defense is pretty good, and they gave KC all they could handle last night, it seemed like. But, uh, yeah, I'm a little worried about that game on Thursday night. I don't know how well that goes. That, that's that's two weeks still, I guess. But um, so the Justin Fields stuff, and, you know, you weren't covering the Broncos when he was drafted, but there was the whole Patrick Sertan, Justin Fields debate here in Denver. I mean, he looked great yesterday for most of the game. He threw the pick at the end of the game. But, you know, do you think that's any debate or do you think the Broncos are completely happy with Patrick Sertan? I mean, he had he didn't have his greatest game yesterday. Yeah, I think you can't complain ab- about that move. I mean, uh, obviously uh... – We'll see how Russell Wilson co- continues to pan out, but he's certainly looking a lot better than he did last season. And, yeah, you're right, Sertan has been a bit up and down so far this season, but you still got a Pro Bowl-type guy. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Justin Fields played out of his mind for most of the game on Sunday. It's going to be interesting to see how things go from here for him to see if he can have any consistency but uh, long term the bears are in great position now for the number one pick since they have their pick and carolina's pick the two oh and four teams in the league caleb williams beckons and uh so if they take caleb williams i mean they might just ship justin fields off somewhere anyway they can ship him to denver they can ship him to denver (laughs) there you go um but you know, the uh, well, we'll of the offense kind of some negative. You know, they had that opening drive touchdown. That's the third game, I think, out of four that they've had an opening drive touchdown. And then everything just stalled for a long time again. And, you know, they didn't turn the ball over or anything. It just didn't move the ball. And then it all kind of turned around late. What, what did you see in that period when they were stalled? Was it just they just weren't executing? Was it bad play calling? What was it? Well, you know, they weren't able to really – mount the run game at that particular point and um yeah i mean basically it's uh these lulls that they've had in games they still are having trouble with offensive consistency but at least the one difference in this game was they finally got the offense going in the second half heading into uh sunday's game they had scored six offensive touchdowns in the season in the first half in the first three games and just one in the second. And that was on the hail Mary against Washington. So that trend kind of reversed itself uh, yesterday, one touchdown in the first half. Well, two offensive touchdowns in the second, because one was a defensive touchdown, but still they need to strive for more consistency throughout a game offensively. Yeah, they, they really do. Cause it feels like these games really have ups and downs for them on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, I'm going to bring up something we've already talked about every other week, and that's just the penalties. And, you know, was it every offensive lineman had a false start except for Ben Powers? Is that correct? I think Powers is safe. He's, he's safe. <laughs> uh, but, 
Yeah, but, I think McGlinchey had two, and the other uh, guys each had one each. Uh, uh, so I think they had five false starts out of their seven penalties, and uh, that uh, irritated uh, Peyton to a great degree because uh, he obviously is uh, the offensive guy, and uh, <laughs> they're whatever he's saying, they're not listening to him. So – you know, all we heard all offseason and all last season was how bad the Broncos were coached. And I'm not saying Sean Payton's a bad coach by any means, but it really feels like they're still not that disciplined of a team, especially in, in certain moments. Yeah, we've talked about that. Uh, basically, those penalties that they shouldn't have. They had some clock management issues again in the first half, needing to call timeouts. And, uh, you know, they've had... Uh, personal fouls throughout the season. I mean, Cream Jackson has been fined uh, three weeks in a row. I'm going to have to find out what the NFL record is for most consecutive weeks being fined. Uh, so uh, I don't remember at least any plays that he'll get fined on <laughs> this week, but uh, we'll have to see, I guess. Yeah, I was just going to say, he also came up with the pick that sealed the game. Um, but yeah, I don't remember him doing anything in the game i'm not sure they didn't seem to be tackling the bears a lot there for a while the bears were were pretty open through the first almost three quarters yeah i mean uh fields was just impeccable the way that he was hitting guys 16 for 16 to start the game and he would have had a perfect first half except uh, they threw a hail mary uh, on the last play but uh you know the, the Broncos came up with, with the key plays when they had to. I mean, obviously, Nick Benito, who we haven't talked to yet, gets the start over Randy Gregory, has two and a half sacks, and the play of the game, really, for hitting uh, fields and knocking the ball loose, the strip sack, and Jonathan Cooper scoops it up. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see Nick Benito if he's the regular a regular starting outside linebacker moving forward. Yeah, what's your thoughts on that? That they went, that, that they, you know, Gregory played, but like that Benito was out there with the starters. Is that kind of a Sean Payton wants who he wants out there? I mean, Gregory really has. I guess Gregory's had a had at least a sack this year. But um, you know, did did you read into anything with that, or are they just kind of rotating pass rushers? Um, I don't know when Frank Clark plays. Um, you know, add him to the mix. Is this going to kind of be a rotation thing? Well, what it says is they're not starting guys based on uh, reputation or salary or what have you. I mean, Frank Clark, with his uh, pedigree, three Pro Bowls, two Super Bowl rings, double-digit sack seasons, et cetera, he doesn't start the opener. Jonathan Cooper starts ahead of him, and then he got hurt and hasn't played since. And Randy Gregory, who has a huge contract, he doesn't start yesterday. They obviously – were uh, not impressed at all with how he played against Miami. So they want to shake things up and uh, turned out to be a great move. So we'll see if Benito and Cooper are the uh, starting outside linebackers moving forward. And then we'll have to see what the attitudes are of Clark and Gregory. If that's the case, Clark seems to, um, you know, be willing to accept his role and, be a team guy but we'll have to see what's going on um, with Gregory moving forward if it, if indeed he's not a starter anymore that's a big contract with Gregory and, and I wonder if that's a little bit 
Is there any kind of weird, like, little power struggle going on over there? Well, that's a Gregory's a George Payton guy, not a Sean Payton guy. Is there a little bit of that going on? Well, I don't know if I characterize it as a power struggle, but there's definitely holdover players from before Sean Payton uh, arrived. And, I mean, Sean Payton has an affinity for his own players. I mean, just look at all the Saints players that he's brought in. So, uh, yeah, there's going to be a slow, if not a quick, purge after this season. You're going to see mostly – Peyton players within a year or two George uh not George Peyton uh, Sean Peyton players and then when is bearing Baron Browning uh, eligible to come back it's pretty soon isn't it yeah he's uh technically eligible this week uh to start practicing I mean these guys are going to have to ramp up and practice and uh the guys that were put on injury reserve right at the start of the season PJ Locke uh He's eligible. I mean, he seems to be making good strides, and they obviously need help at the safety spot. So he's a guy that uh, could help them sooner or later. So, uh, yeah, some of those uh, IR guys could uh, start getting back in the mix here soon. And how concerned are you about Justin Simmons? Like, you know, he practiced limited Wednesday and Thursday, and then he sat out Friday, or I forgot how that all worked. But are they concerned? Is it just kind of a lingering thing? What What's going on there? Seemed to me like he was kind of close, um, that he was kind of a game time type decision. Yesterday, he practiced on a limited basis Wednesday and Thursday, and then he didn't practice Friday. Did he have any kind of setback or did they just want to be extra cautious at that point? I mean, I'm not 100% sure, but it sounds like, uh, they um he was a game time decision turner yell said he didn't find out until the morning of the game that he was going to start so uh yeah we'll we'll know more when we see what happens in wednesday's practice whether he's a full participant or not okay let's flip the uh, flip the page and head to the jets uh jets come here that this game has lost a little spice um you know rogers was running his mouth and the, and then nathaniel hackett proud of it well, Rodgers is out for the season. Uh, both teams are going to be one and three coming in. I, did the, was the Jets one and three? Is that right? Yeah, they're one. Yeah, and that's three. correct. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and so it's kind of lost a little luster. Um, but the Jets have weapons on offense besides, you know, the quarterback play because they have Bryce, Bryce Hall, Brees Hall, sorry, uh, Garrett Wilson on the offensive side. And that defense gets after people. So, what kind of challenge are the Broncos facing here? Well, first of all, it's going to be interesting to see how the week unfolds. I mean, Sean Payton joked uh, yeah. about it and brought it up and said, well, uh, at least this was good getting a win before this Jets fiasco week this week. So I think he's going to attempt to uh, take a lighthearted uh, view of his comments. And uh, obviously that's easier to take a lighthearted view after you've just finally won a game. But uh, to the the football aspect, I mean, you know, Zach Wilson played better. I know he uh, has pinned the loss on himself due to his late turnover, but you've mentioned that they've um, got a good defense. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, – I mean, I'm sure the Jets are approaching it as a, a must-win. I mean, the Broncos talked about it being a must-win for them yesterday, but 
I would think in the general scheme of things, even without Aaron Rodgers, the the pawn is more of a playoff contender than the Broncos. So uh, it more it might be uh, more mustier for them than the Broncos. So oh, the Broncos haven't won at home yet this year either. So that that's something. Um, and then so with this with this Jets game, you know they. Robert Sala has had some I mean, he's a fiery guy, man. I, I noticed him on the sideline last night. Holy cow. Now they that holding call was pretty bad. But I want to talk about Vance Joseph just a quick bit because you know his seat was probably flaming hot in that first half yesterday. They get the win, but how hot is his seat, say, if they give up a ton of points to to Zach Wilson and the Jets? Yeah, you know, I'd have to look into Sean Payton's history and if he's the type of guy that would potentially dismiss somebody, you know, in the middle of the season. Because obviously, if they continue to give up crazy point totals on defense, they're going to quickly fall out of playoff contention because that's going to result in lost games. So it's going to be completely interesting on how that would be handled you know, not just from a player standpoint in terms of do you make trades, do you play younger guys more, but how they would uh, handle it from a coaching standpoint. It's also a short week, so probably they probably wouldn't do anything, I guess, because they'll, they'll have a short week with Kansas City. So even if things go bad, he'll probably be safe. Yeah, yeah, well, we'll have to see. I mean, uh, Kareem Jackson was talking after yesterday's game saying that this is – the Broncos defense, we got a lot of the same guys from, from last season. And I, even though it's the lowly bears, I think they're thinking that, Hey, we have, we're finally clicking and uh, confidence helps. So uh, we'll see uh, how they look against the jets. All right, Chris, thanks for coming on and breaking down this game with me. Uh, Make sure to go to denvergazette.com to read all of Chris's stuff on the Broncos. Uh, all our columns by Paul Klee and Woody Page and uh, Nuggets Media Day is today. So make sure to look for coverage of that as well. And make sure you subscribe to this podcast on Apple or Spotify. And Chris, we will talk to you next Monday after the Jets game. Thanks for coming on. Hey, really appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. Thank you for listening to the Denver Gazette podcast. Make sure to visit denvergazette.com for all your local news on Broncos, Rockies, Avalanche, Nuggets, and much, much more. We'll talk to you next time.